Good morning, everyone. We're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against each other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for four hundred years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Matthew. Good job at the end there, too. I'm not going to preach on that, but you, you got to read it, so that's great. <laughs> we want to invite our children to Children's Church. Uh, Kathy will meet you at the back there. Um, also want to take a moment to greet all of the folks who are with us uh, from the live stream as well. Uh, we wish you were here. We pray that uh, you're doing well and that the Lord is with you. So let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer, and then we'll turn to the Lord. Lord, thank you again for the season of Christmas, this time when we intentionally focus on the incarnation. Perhaps the greatest miracle that could ever exist is that an infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing, supreme God could be rendered in a manger as a child who couldn't control his bowels, couldn't feed himself, and yet the, the will of this small child held every atom in the universe in place and together. Lord, what a profound mystery. Thank you for the season of Christmas where we get to focus on your incarnation, the hypostatic union, the, joint, uh, uh, the joining of the two natures of God and man in one person, Jesus Christ, and, and the mystery that that is. Uh, Father, we want to pray for our friends who are not with us today. We pray for Bob Kempel. Thank you that he's uh, healing and feeling better. And Lord, we look forward to worshiping with, again with him very soon. Lord, would you have mercy on him? 
thank you for the strength and the, um, the patience that you've given Judy, that you've walked with her as she's trying to help her husband recover. And uh, we just pray your blessing, your rich blessing on the Kempel family uh, during this season. And uh, we, we look forward to having Bob return to us. Father, I want to pray for Bob Burris, who is off to Liberia uh, to uh, teach pastors there. Lord, I thank you that this man who's been such an important person in my life, in my spiritual life, and, and just a good friend, Lord, that he is continuing to mentor and, and train and equip pastors around the world. Lord, would you bless and, and make fruitful his ministry there, and we pray that he would be training up men who would uh, reject the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel that is so ripe, uh, rife throughout uh, Africa, which has such a, a stronghold there. And Lord, would you um, help Bob to help them to see something that's even greater than health, wealth, and prosperity, and that is to know Jesus Christ and to have a hope in him. And so, Lord, would you bless him as he's working over the next weeks and uh, bless the people who are part of his, uh, his class. Um, Father, we want to pray for, again for Sharon Cox and her family as they are sitting by the bedside of her mother uh, waiting for you to take her home. And Father, I want to pray for Sharon's brother, especially since he's the executor and he has to make a lot of really big decisions. Lord, would you give him a supernatural amount of wisdom? Lord, would you just be with him through all of these things? I pray that Sharon would be a support and an encouragement to him, that his other brothers and sisters would, would be with him and, and, uh, and support him in whatever he does. And Lord, that uh, he would find hope and peace knowing that you are with him. And so, Lord, would you have mercy on them? And... Um, just help them to uh, to be with their mom. And Lord, we pray for, for their mom. The doctors say it could be hours or days. Uh, hard to tell. But Lord, you know exactly when her last breath will be. And so Lord, I pray that in whatever state she's in, whatever she can understand, Lord, that even now she is hoping and trusting in Jesus Christ um, to the degree that that's possible for her. And Lord, we pray that you would, um, in the abundance of your mercy, bring her home. Um, and Lord, we look forward to the day when that body and that spirit will be put back together, will be unified again in, in the resurrection and be walking with you throughout eternity. And Father, I want to pray for uh, Heather Racy's uh, cousin who's been waiting for a, a heart replacement for over a year. And Lord, she's approaching open heart surgery soon. And, and Lord, would you be with the doctors, give them uh, great clarity, extremely steady hands, and, um, and just a tremendous under, amount of understanding of, of what they're doing. And we pray that the surgery would go well, that the family would rejoice, and Lord, that Heather's cousin would just awake from this surgery, aching perhaps from the chest being cracked open, but Lord, having a new heart that's pumping and thumping and, and uh, find new strength and, and, uh, and, and a way to, to continue to, to, um, to, a way to, to live with this new heart. And Lord, we, we pray that uh, through all of this, your glory would be made known to them. And Father, we turn now to your word, and we thank you for this chance to, uh, to look at the, the covenant that you made with Abraham and how that feeds into and tells us about Christmas morning. Uh, be with us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So we're doing this series in um, Advent on, on theophanies, uh, when God shows up. Now, we know from John chapter 4, God is spirit. He doesn't have a physical body. So when he chooses to show up someplace, he manifests himself in some physical form that people can see. Sometimes it's just a bright light. Sometimes it's a voice from heaven. Um, sometimes it's uh, just different ways that he does that. He does it on purpose. He's, he's, he's doing something when he shows up this way. 
Um, and so this morning, we're going to look at when he meets Abraham, or Abram at this point. He hasn't become Abraham yet. Last week, my friend Kyle came and preached to us, and he told us about that very first theophany, when God shows up in the garden. And I thought it was really super helpful to be reminded that the context of that is Adam and Eve had just sinned, and God didn't abandon them. He showed up to them. He walked in the garden, and he beckoned them in. He called them. Even in their sin and their rebellion, he's calling out to them. And, and Kyle's message to us last week was God is with us, even in our, in our worst moments, even in our struggle, even in our difficulty. And so this morning, we're going to kind of continue that theme. We're going to take it to the next step and understand why God is with us. So to do that, we're going to look at this covenant God makes with Abram. Um, why does God make covenants? What is a covenant, first of all? Um, if you read the literature, there's all kinds of elaborate definitions of what a covenant is. Uh, one of the ones that I first came across was a covenant is a, a blood-bought oath. And I thought, oh, that's pretty good, except where is the blood in the covenant God made with David? There isn't any. So maybe it's not blood-bought. I think the simplest explanation is, is a covenant is God making an oath-bound promise to somebody. Um, and I say that because in Galatians chapter 3, Paul goes back and forth between covenant and promise pretty seamlessly. So I think that's probably, if we're going to get our arms around that de biblical definition of a covenant, I think it's God's oath-bound promise. Now, why would God need to make an oath-bound promise? If God speaks, is that not reality? Isn't that true? I mean, isn't that what happens? At the beginning of Genesis, he spoke and a universe leapt into being. He didn't need to bind himself to that or say, I'm going to be faithful to it. He just is. That's who he is. So why does God make a covenant? Why would he pronounce an oath, bind, or bind himself in an oath to do something? Well, I think one of the, the clearest examples I can think of is, is when I was in seminary, I was extremely busy. Um, I've told you before, I worked full time, went to seminary full time, and that left no time for anything else. And I can remember one day I was sitting in the kitchen, and my youngest child came and said, Papa, can we go to the park when you're done? Because I was, I was studying. I had books out or something. I said, yes, we can do that. And in a very somber, it was like the, the silence fell over the whole land. And she looked at me and peered into my soul and said, do you promise? And the reason that she said, do you promise, is because numerous times I said, yeah, we'll do this. And I just couldn't. I was so overwhelmed. I wasn't able to do it. So this was something that, that she was looking at me and saying, I want you to commit to do this. And so I said, yes, I promise. I don't remember if we went. <laughs> I'm hoping we did. I'm hoping that that, that you know, conviction carried through and I actually went. I don't recall. But, but the point was she wanted a promise because she wanted to be sure we were going to go to the park. She wanted to have absolute certainty in that. So it wasn't just, Papa, can we go? Yeah, it was, do you promise? Now, God doesn't need to promise like that because if he says he'll do it, by his nature, he will do it. It's not for God. It's for us because we forget. He has been faithful, but we forget. And so sometimes we need to hear, I need that promise. So that's what, that's what I think we're going to talk about uh, this covenant in that context is it's God's oath-bound promise. It's to us. It's for us because he already intends to do what he's going to do. 
But we need to be reminded, and we need to hear it, and we need to have something to hang on to. So that's what's going to happen here. So let's go ahead and take a look at this. It starts with the words, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. After what things? Well, we don't have time to go into it, but basically what had happened before this was there was uh, these kings came out for war. They captured Lot. They carried Lot and all these other cities off. Abram and these other kings got together and went and rescued Lot. They took the, the kingdoms back. And as they're returning, Abram runs into this man called Melchizedek, a very curious figure. We don't know much about him, but uh, the book of Hebrews tells us his, the translation of his name is King of Righteousness. And he was from Jerusalem, the, the city of peace. And he offers bread and wine, and, and Abram offered a tenth to that to him. And so that's, that's what had just happened, was this, this big war. And so after these things, the Lord appeared to Abram in a vision. And he said, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield and your very great reward. So after defeating the kings, after coming back even richer than he already was, God appears and says, You know why that happened? Because I'm your shield. That's why that happened. You know why you have what you have? Because I am your very great reward. And so that's this tremendous promise to Abram. Wouldn't that be comforting if God showed up to you and said that this morning? Fear not. I'm your shield and your very great reward. You'll have more of me. That would be wonderful. But Abram responds, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. Abram continues childless. He's about 75 years old at this point. He's been childless his entire marriage. He and Sari want nothing more than to have a son. That is the most important thing. So when God shows up and says to them, I will be your shield and your very great reward, what you could read that is, is kind of that health, wealth, and prosperity thing. God is going to be my shield. I'm going to live in peace and security. And he's going to be my very great reward. Well, I just got all this stuff from the war. I'm going to be rich. But look what Abram's response is. So what? So that, that stuff, the peace and all that, that money and everything I got, that doesn't matter. Because I'm going to die, and it's going to go to Eleazar. And he's not my offspring. He's not going to carry on my name. I don't have what I want. The, the, the beauty of, as wonderful as it would be to have riches and enjoy them in peace and prosperity, that's not what will satisfy Abram and Sari. We want a son. That's, that's what we really want, Lord. That's what we're looking for. So it's nice to have all of these things, but they're not going to satisfy for a long run. And Abram said, you've given me no offspring, and therefore somebody, a member of my house will be my heir. And the word of the Lord came to him, this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. Now that phrase, very own son, um, that's a gloss. That's kind of a, a way to smooth it out and make it, sound more, uh, make it more sense to us. It's from your very own loins, is what he's saying. In other words, Abram, you're not just going to have a son that... that you know, will kind of fit the bill, you physically will have a son. You will have, the, the son that you're going to have will physically come from you. Abram's 75 years old. How can I have a child at this point? And it goes on. It's not just that you'll have the son. God takes him outside and looks to the heaven, look up into the sky, and number the stars if you can. Count them. And, and a, God says to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, we have a lot of light pollution, so when we look up at the night sky, it's not so, quite so dense. We were out at the Racy's for uh, Thanksgiving, 
They live out in Boron, and if we'd have headed just north from their house a little ways, there's a huge dark area out there. And when you look up at those stars, it's mind-blowing. So we kind of forget because we live in a big city, but if you go out into some of these dark um, remote areas and look at the night sky, that's what Abraham saw. He didn't have light pollution back in those days. The light pollution was the, the fire, and that didn't go very far. So when God takes him outside and look at the heavens, it would be that moment where you gasp at how many stars. And God says, from your own body, you're going to have a son, and your offspring will be like this. What a tremendous promise. At a 75-year-old man who has never had any children, who's been a failure at having children so far, this is the promise. And how does Abraham respond? No way. Nope. And he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He, he saw this. He recognized his physical situation, what kind of condition we're in. Sorry, can't have children. I'm not having any children. And yet... I will have offspring as numerous as the stars. And he trusted. He believed God's promise. He heard it, and he just believed it. And then in this rich theological statement, it was credited to him as righteousness. He was justified by faith. And what we'll see is that promise of those offspring, that's the gospel that, that was preached to Abram. And so that's what he did. He believed that. He trusted that. Now, Try to put yourself into that situation. For me, the closest I could get is I have always wanted to play guitar. Since I was 10 years old, I had a guitar. I took guitar lessons. I still, at 60, cannot play the guitar. I just can't do it. It would be like God coming to me and saying, Tim, you're going to learn to play guitar. Yeah, that's possible. I mean, at 60, I could you know, maybe pluck something out. And you're going to be the greatest guitar player in the world. You're going to sell millions of albums. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. I, I just don't see that happening. That's, that's kind of on the scale of what God promised to Abram. Is you're, you're not only going to have children, which you've never had. You're going to have tons of children, millions of children, innumerable amounts of children. Would I believe him if he told me that I could play guitar someday? Mm, sort of. Abram believed him and trusted and God created, credited to him his righteousness. So if, if you're a Christian, you believe what God just told Abram, that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars. That's, this is the same promise. We'll see that at the end of the sermon. And so the response is, Abram said to him, or God said to Abram then, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of Chaldeans to give you the land to possess. And Abram said, but, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? Notice he doesn't say, how do I know that I'm going to have children? He believed that. Now he's saying, how, all right, so the children thing I get, how am I going to know that I'm going to possess this? So even if God was to immediately wipe out all the people in the promised land and say, Abram, this is yours, one family couldn't occupy it all. They wouldn't be able to secure the borders. It's just one family, no matter how big that is. So he's saying, how am I going to know that this is going to happen? And God's response is, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Now, Abram knows what this means to bring these. He didn't mean, like, herd up these animals and walk them up to me. Because what Abram does is he brings them, and he cuts them in half, and he lays them out. So now there's, there's half of this ram on each side, and there's this half of this goat on each side, and he doesn't cut up the birds. And then it says that he, um, the birds of the prey came down, 
uh, on the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. So he's out there shooing the birds away. What on earth is going on here? Well, this is a well-understood covenant ceremony. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew for making a covenant is actually cut a covenant. And the theory is it comes from this ceremony. And so what would happen in the ancient Near East is a king would defeat another king and say, okay, well, we're going to make a covenant. I'm going to, uh, this is how it's going to work. I'm the triumphant king. I'm going to set the, the rules and the conditions. I'm going to let you continue to be king, but here's, here's what's going to happen to you. And to solemnitize, solemnitize that, they would cut these animals up and walk through them. And what the, the ceremony was supposed to show was, if either of us violate this covenant, may this happen to us. This bloody mess that's laying on the ground, may we be cut in half like that. This is, this is how we're going to um, bind ourselves to each other. And may this happen. Now, this is what happens for Abram. He lays them out and somebody walks through them. So as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. This, I've heard this before. This is not, Abram was exhausted from chasing the birds away. This is not a normal, natural, he's exhausted. It was a deep sleep that came on, on Abram, and a dreadful and a great darkness fell on him. That's not normal sleep. And while he's out, a deep sleep, the Lord said to him, and he perceived it because we have this recorded. He, he heard this. So this was not a natural, he's just exhausted, the poor guy. You know, 75-year-old chasing birds away. This is something deeper and richer than that. So the Lord appears to him and says, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation they serve, and afterward they shall come out with a great possessions. As for you... You shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So Abram is sound asleep, and God makes this tremendous promise to him. His, his offspring that are going to be as numerous as the stars, it's not going to be easy. There's going to be four generations where they're slaves in captivity in a, a nation that's not their own. But even then, God promises, I'm still with them. Because when that 400 years is up, then I will bring them out. He doesn't abandon them, but he says it's not going to be easy for them. There's, there's trouble coming. And so that's the, the promise that he makes. Now, the next thing that happens is even more startling. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoldering firepot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the, e the river of Egypt to the great river, the river of the Euphrates, the land of, and all those people. So what happened? This is, this is the, the theophany. What does it mean that there's a smoking pot and a flaming torch that go walking between the pieces? I don't know. You read the commentaries, and, and it's not clear what's going on. Perhaps this represents Abram and God. The flaming torch, more glory, the greater king, the smoking pot. Well, that's kind of you know, going out. Maybe that's Abram and, and the flaming torch is God. That's a possibility. Is it representing the two of them walking? The, another possibility is, is perhaps this is referring to the pillar of cloud and the pillar of smoke that led Israel in the Exodus. That was just mentioned, after all. And the context of when Genesis was written is during the Exodus because 
Moses wrote it and he died before the Exodus was over. So maybe that's what's going on, is this picture of God and how he's going to deliver them. That would be in the context. I, I don't know for sure. I, I like the, the cloud and the, and the fire thing, but the problem is this is smoke and that was a cloud and the two are never called each other. So almost. <laughs> I, I was really hoping that the words would line up and there would be some overlap. But no, whatever it is, at least one of those represents God walking through those pieces. That, that's the promise that's made, and it's cut as a covenant. Now, as we said at the beginning, God is spirit. He has no body. He has no hands, legs, or anything. How on earth could this be a threat to him? That if you violate this covenant, what happened to these animals is going to happen to you. That can't happen to God. It's impossible. Well, the, the easy answer is, well, of course, because it's impossible that he would lie. He wouldn't not fulfill this covenant. He would be faithful to it. So it, it can't apply to him. But he's the one who walked between the pieces. What was Abraham doing? Sound asleep, watching it happen. So this is God's binding his covenant. And so the question is, how on earth does this apply to him? What does this mean? Why, why this theophany this way? Well, I think this is where it begins to tie into the gospel is there's another theophany that we're going to talk about. And that's when Jesus was born in a manger. He, the, the infinite God took on human nature. Why did he take on human nature? Well, to redeem us. How did he redeem us? He had to come and die. So though Abraham you know, was not walking through the pieces, God did all of it. We have violated the covenant. We have broken it. Not, maybe not the Abrahamic covenant because it's all promised. There's no law. But any of the law, any of the rules, in order to remain faithful to the covenant, somebody had to pay. That, that picture of those animals broken up in half was there. And so Jesus coming and taking on a human nature so that he could bear the burden of that covenant. He could die for us. He could be pierced for our transgressions. And so he, God is fulfilling all of this covenant. It's all on him. It, it rests totally on him. So he came to do that. So when Abram believes God and it's credited to him as righteousness, that's, what, that's how we're saved, is we believe God's promises and it's credited to us as righteousness. It talks about in the New Testament, it says the gospel was preached beforehand to Abraham. So this is the gospel that was preached to Abraham. This is the gospel he believed, that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars. Make that connection for me, Tim. How does that line up? At the end of Galatians chapter 3, there's one of the most powerful statements that I think of in the scriptures. And if you are Christ's, Jew, Gentile, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. If, if we are in Christ, we are heirs to Abraham's, promise, uh, Abraham's covenant. If you are in Christ, you're one of those stars that he saw in the night sky. If you're Abraham's offspring, if you're in Christ, if you trust Jesus, if you've been justified by faith, by believing God's promise, and had it credited to you as righteousness, you're one of those grains of sand on the sea. You are Abraham's heirs. And so this is the theophany that we get, this, this, this Old Testament theophany of the, the smoking pot and the flaming torch passing through the pieces is pointing to the ultimate theophany when Jesus comes and is with us. So here's the thing. Abraham was 75. So he had already gone 75 years of waiting to have a child. Well, probably less than 75. I don't think he cared when he was a baby. 
But you know what I mean. He had gone his entire life up to that point, wanting a child and never having it. God suddenly appears to him and says, Abram, you're going to have a child from your own body. This child will come. And then immediately, Sari, Sari got pregnant, right? Not until she, he was 99. He's 75 now. He's 99 when, when the promise of Isaac finally gets fulfilled. We, we read the Old Testament. We read Genesis and we think God is constantly popping into camp with, with Abram. If you plot it out over the time, it's not. It's 20, 30 years between appearances. And so how on earth could Abram walk and be faithful with God in this when he's not hearing it? He doesn't have the whole canon of scriptures like we do. We can read the Bible every morning and be reminded of these promises over and over again. God shows up and says, Abram, this is what I'm going to do. And then he doesn't hear from him for 25 years. He's only getting older. That's because it's based on faith. It's trusting. And so where are we? How do we fit into this? If we're children of Abraham, how do we fit into this? Well, right now we're, we're living between epiphany or be, between theophanies. Jesus has come. He was born. He lived his life. He taught. He ministered. He died. He rose again. He ascended into heaven. And we don't see him. We're waiting for the second of his epiphanies, the second of his theophanies, when he returns in glory at the end of the age. And it's a long time. So far, 2,000 years, still counting. How do we remain faithful in this time between the theophanies? How do we continue to walk with him? He's given us great, precious things that, that he didn't give to Abram. We have the promise of the seal of the Holy Spirit. We have the completed canon of Scripture. We have more than just our little family. We have all the nations of believers. We have a long history of the church. He, he didn't have necessarily the book of Deuteronomy to read about how God walked with Israel in the wilderness. We do. But it can still feel hard. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's just difficult. It feels very dry. And, and you sit down and you read the Bible and it just, it's not popping. It's not coming through and... And you struggle, and, and so when you stop and start praying, the next thing you're thinking is what you've got to do for next week. And Lord, help me with this. So how do we live faithfully between these theophanies? We do it the same way Abraham did. Abraham had it far worse than we do. We have so much more blessings. We believe God, and it's credited to us as righteousness. And we wait. And we wait. And we wait. And sometimes... You read the scriptures and it just sings. The words just come off the page and, and it just fills your soul and you're like, I'm so amazed I read that. That was beautiful. I, I've read this Bible dozens of times and I don't remember reading that or I don't remember it being so beautiful. And there's other times where you just struggle to get through it. And how am I going to finish today and, and how many more pages do I have to go? There's times when you sit down to pray and it feels like Jesus is right there with you, hand on your shoulder praying with you. And then there's times when you sit down to pray and it sounds like the words are echoing off the wall. Is anybody listening? Abram lived in that same experience. He, he lived that same way. When you read through his story, sometimes he's a man of tremendous faith. He believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And then he had Ishmael. Even though God said it's going to come from your old body. Well, let me, let me tool this a little bit. It's coming from my body. It doesn't necessarily mean it's coming from Sarah's body. So maybe... This, that's not what God meant. So in this time between the theophanies, in, in this, this time between Jesus' first and his second coming, 
We have so many tremendous benefits, and yet it can feel hard. It can just be a struggle to maintain the faith. And so we, we need to look at these things and remember the promises that God has made to us. The new covenant is filled with tremendous promises. The promise of the Holy Spirit, the, the promise of a communion of, of believers, the promise of not just a local family in the Middle East someplace, but a family spread across the globe. The, the fact that Jesus will build this church, there's nothing that can destroy this church. Jesus will build this church. It will spread. It will, it will continue. These are some of, just some of the promises of the New Testament or the New Covenant. And how do we know that we can trust them? How do we know that, we can, that God is going to be faithful to this? Because we have this long history called redemptive history where he's been faithful over and over and over and over again. He's made promises and he has fulfilled them. He made the promise to Eve that her offspring would bruise Satan's head. He made the promise that he, to Noah that he would judge the world again, but not destroy it all. He made the promise that, um, that uh, Abraham would have uncountable children. He made the promise that a priesthood would atone for our sins. He made a promise that David's son would rule on a throne forever. And so when we look back over history, you look at those promises and you go, Did God, was God faithful to those? Was he, was he consistently faithful to those promises? Absolutely he was. Jesus came and, and on the cross he defeated Satan. He broke his hold. He, he removed the power of Satan by canceling death, by killing death. His, his return is a return that's promising judgment, but not a judgment that's going to wipe out the whole world. He's going to redeem people. He's going to save people in the middle of all of that. He's not going to destroy the world with water. He's going to bring the gospel. The, the, knowledge, of the, word, the knowledge of God will cover the world like, like the waters cover the sea. He's made a promise of a priesthood that would atone for sin. And what Hebrews reminds us of is the priesthood that existed under the old covenant couldn't do it. Wasn't, it wasn't able to do it. Every single time a sin happened, a new, a new sacrifice, a new sacrifice, a new sacrifice. We had to come up with new priests over and over again. And the reminder from this is, is he faithful to that promise of, of a priest atoning for our, our sins? Absolutely. Jesus has come, a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who will actually really atone for sins. Not just one at a time, all of them. The promise of David's son. Jesus ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God. He's not on a waiting bench. He is on a throne. David's greater offspring rules. And at one day, he will return and actually rule on this earth. So when, you're, when we struggle, when we're, we're, we're trying to wrestle through, how am I supposed to live today faithfully? How am I supposed to trust God in, in what I'm facing at this moment we have redemptive history stretched out behind us, and God's saying, I've been with you through all of this. We have him demonstrating to us that there are times when he's just quiet, when he, he's not walking with Abraham and holding his hand at every moment. And yet, has he fulfilled his promises to Abram? Absolutely. Will he fulfill his promises to you? Absolutely. This is why it's a struggle of faith. This is why we have to continue to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness over and over again and walk in trust. It's also why we have to be part of a church body. 
because we need to see God being faithful to that person who I, I, I'm not experiencing what their pers- that person is experiencing. I need to see God be faithful to this person even when they're really struggling. I need to be the one that comes up to that person and reminds them of how God has been really good to them all along. I need to weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice, because this is God's doing. And this is how we walk in this time between theophanies, is because of covenant, because of God's oath-bound promise to you. Pictured in Abram, brought to fullness in the church of Jesus Christ. So as we approach Christmas, as we, as we head into Christmas, and we look forward to seeing that empty manger filled with a baby, remember what that, that filled manger means. God promised he would be with us. There's Emmanuel. There he comes. He's going to come and fulfill all those promises. All of God's promises are yes and amen in Jesus Christ. And so that's how we struggle through. So, friends, if you're you're having an off season, sometimes the holiday season, I mean, we always think of it as as a time filled with joy and, and light and exchanging cards and having parties. But actually, clinically, it's, it's one of the times of greatest amount of depression. In, in just the general population. Um, no reason to think we're exempt from that. If you're struggling with that this season, remind yourself of God's promises, of his faithfulness to you. Even when you can't see him, even when he's not sitting next to you, even when he doesn't take you outside and point at the stars. Remember, he's been faithful over and over again. You can't find a place where he had stopped being faithful. He's always been that way. And struggle with it. Wrestle through it. Find a friend to ask them to pray. If you can't pray, ask a friend to pray for you. If somebody comes to you and says, would you pray for me? The best thing you can do is at that moment stop and say, yeah, let's pray. Because they know that, that you've answered. Sometimes we can say, yeah, I'll pray about that, which means I'm not going to pray about that. Or I forgot to pray about that. If you do it right then, you haven't forgotten. You're covered. It's, this is the promise of the new covenant is that God will hear our, our prayers because we have a high priest sitting in the Holy of Holies. So there's the struggle. There's the picture. That's why we need a covenant. Papa, can we go to the park when you're done? Do you promise? God has said, yes, I promise. And he didn't wait to be asked. So this is, this is the hope of this theophany, this picture of Jesus in this old covenant setting is, I promise I'm going to do it, and I'm not going to fall down. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful that you are a covenant-faithful, covenant-keeping, covenant-making God who's made a covenant with us. Just like Abram, unbidden, he didn't come and say, make a covenant with me, God. You came to him and said, let me promise, and let me seal that promise with an oath. So, Lord, I pray for all of us that as we are entering a holiday season, which can be a time of great joy and and tremendous uh, festivities and happiness and food and friends, can also sometimes be a time of loneliness. Lord, would you remind us of your great and tremendous promise that in Jesus Christ, all of them are yes and amen. And Lord, would you fill us with the hope that we can have for the coming theophany when Jesus returns. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.